Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. How's everybody doing out there? Big Dave and Joe, another edition of Poker Action Line, and uh, uh, we are um, taping this show a little bit ahead of time, so I definitely want to uh, uh, talk about some things in the game of poker that, uh, you know, are not tournament related. We Last week we did a lot of discussion on uh, stuff over at the Seminole Hard Rock, and while we normally would post this show uh, right during the Big Four. Um, we are going to uh, save that for another week and uh, give you the final results of what is a huge major tournament here in South Florida and uh, running very successfully despite all the discussion of what's happening in this town and how South Florida is the epicenter of the uh, COVID situation. Uh, you know, poker is uh, seeming to survive. Uh, for a while there, we had the plexiglass and we had the mass. Now we're back to the mass again. Um, Joe Rodriguez uh, runs the Casino Miami room. And, uh, you know, it's a smaller room, but you deal with a lot of the same situations that uh, Seminole Hard Rock would deal with. Uh, what are your management thoughts, Joe, about uh, how you deal with an increasing problem in this town? Well... I'm going to give kudos to a lot of our patrons here at my Casino Miami because as of the 16th, you know, I say masks were, were not mandatory because, you know, honor system, but we know how well that works. Um, but I have to say 80, 85% of our patrons were still wearing masks when they didn't have to. Okay. So, you know, I, I that number surprised me. Because I thought it would be low, much lower than that. Um, and for me, most of my poker players are wearing masks. You know, uh, there are a few that, that aren't. And um, I don't know, with this new strain coming out here, it's, it's funny because I've had a lot of people tell me they're really worried about it. And others that just shrug their shoulders and... Uh, you know, it's very sad. We kind of discussed this uh, off, you know, before the start of the show with Joe, and uh, it, it's really frustrating it, for me. Uh, I have way too many employees uh, at the casino that are unvaccinated. Um, obviously, we can't control the crowd, but you know, and, and you, and you, barrier, can't, you, you know, can't even you can't even require your employees to get vaccinated, right? No, no, no. We we we. We, we cannot. And it's frustrating because my youngest daughter is, you know, uh, works in the hospitals and uh, friends in other hospitals. And, you know, they're they're at capacity. So it is very scary. Um, I don't know this. This, you know, people are making plans. We were all trying to make plans to, you know, start enjoying and trying to get back to some sort of normal normalcy in life and and all of a sudden this is hitting and um i don't know how you guys feel but it, it seems like a political uh uh bomb here because it, it, it seems like people are drawing a line in the sand 
for those who are vaccinated and for those who don't want to get vaccinated. And right. um, it's going to affect, obviously, not just poker rooms, but probably our economy again. Um, and I don't know. This is just – this is going to get uglier this time around from a lot of different standpoints that I can look at here now. Our governor is, you know, digging his feet in the, in the sand that, you know, this is how he's going to run it. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, Florida is the leader uh, for, you know, COVID cases now yeah. currently. So I don't know, Big Dave. Um, you know, I'd like you to chime in not from a personal yeah, well, standpoint. Well, I do have, uh, you know, nothing. No one is safe now, in, in my opinion. Uh, I've been working at the Danger Poker Room for about a month. Uh, spending a lot of time around players. I do wear my mask. I'm maybe not the most perfect guy for having the mask uh, on properly because it does slide down under my nose sometimes, and I like to leave it there for a few minutes to uh, be able to breathe. But uh, I came down with a breakthrough uh, infection of COVID this week. Um, so I, I thought I was in the clear, and I'm sure most people do. We get vaccinated, you do everything right, and then all of a sudden you end up with uh, with COVID. So it's very uh, the symptoms are very mild for me, and I can put up with it. But uh, uh, you know, I think that's what they say. You know, the vaccination keeps you from having a very severe case, requiring hospitalization, even to the point of uh, being put on a ventilator. Uh, you know, that's not going to happen for me, hopefully, because uh, I did get vaccinated. But, you know, there is an anger out there. And uh, for those who have done the right things, that the people sit there and, uh, you know, even go right on television to just say, I don't trust the government. I, you know, the, I've heard all these bad things about fertility and uh, metal and the in the vaccines, just ridiculous stuff. And, they, and they're hanging on to this thing. And it's because of the politics of the situation. Uh, Joe Costello, bring you in. Uh, I know that you've been traveling and you always have to worry about, you know, different places. You see different cases. Um, you've been out in California where they have uh, probably more cases than Florida. Yeah, well, yes. Um, per capita, I'm not sure. But just spent three weeks in a row. I went to Denver. I went to Sonoma through San Francisco, and I just got back from Los Angeles last night. And just kind of watching the wave form while on the road over those three weeks and then cresting now, and then coming back to what you said was the, you know, the world center of it right now, or certainly our national center. It's, it's uh, you know, is it frightening? It's definitely troublesome and worrying. I am vaccinated, so like, what you said is true. No one ever guaranteed we'd never get it. It's just the prospects of death and hospitalization go down dramatically. It's like 97% of the people in the hospitals are unvaccinated people. And what's happening is we're seeing the collision of you know math and reality. And I think that a lot of those people, they say that vaccinations are starting to tick up the people that are dying in the hospitals are saying, oh, can I get the vaccine? You know, it's too late now. It's too late now um, for some. But everyone else, hopefully they will realize that this is no joke. It's not political. Lindsey Graham just got a breakthrough case. Kay Ivey, the governor of Alabama, you don't get to be governor 
of Alabama by being some sort of like liberal Democrat. It's that's one of the realities of life. The right. governor of Alabama, it's never going to happen. She used the word blame, blame the unvaccinated. What's wrong with these people? They just don't understand. We need to get on the same page now and immediately. Or like Joe said a minute ago, and this is what I, I fear most, you know, uh, I travel for work. We throw outdoor events. That is the source of our income. That is going to be damaged again. We're going to be right back. And this is the great irony of it all. The people who complain the most about it, about the masks, about the lockdowns, about the economy, about the government giving money to people who aren't working, about all of those things. They're all the same people. It's the same group of people. And they are also the unvaccinated people who are prolonging all of those things that they hate so much. And it just doesn't make any sense. And I'm starting to get frustrated as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there, I don't want to spend the whole show on this. Obviously, we could we could do this, but uh, um, you know, I I do want to get to the relationship to poker, and I think it's important for us to bring this up because if you are going to a poker room, and for me to to meet to contract the disease while vaccinated, um, I think it's all you need to know to to say, hey, everybody should be wearing masks. They haven't been wearing masks in our room. The players. Uh, the uh, management asks uh, dealers to wear their masks for the last week or so. Now today, uh, going into effect at Dania, it's, it's August the 2nd as we tape this show, uh, they are having uh, a, a mandate that everybody comes into the room must wear a mask. And that's a, it's a big step because there still are those people out there that are just going to be furious, may just not come, may cause a stink on the floor, and, and you have arguments and and yelling and that kind of thing. Joe um, Rodriguez, let me bring you back in and say, what kind of, you say most of your people have been wearing masks, but have you had any negative incidents where it came to words or maybe even blows over the fact that the people just refused to wear one? No. Um, like I said, on the 16th is when it became, you know, quote, July 16th. Right, July 16th, excuse me, July 16th, you know, that it became a voluntary, uh, you know, honor system thing. Uh, but three days ago, I believe it was three or four days ago, that it became, you know, mandatory again that you had to, you know, wear a mask when you came in. Now, I haven't heard any major scenarios in our casino, Dave, you know, that people are complaining about it. Um, it's funny because in that time frame, when it was taken off and put back on, I had a lot of patrons, both in the poker room and on outside on, on the slot side, uh, their masks, you know, those little blue ones would snap, the string would snap. Hey, where can I get another mask? So they were concerned about that. Now, I don't know if this is just pure coincidence, um, but for the better part of two or three months prior to all of this happening, uh, my poker room was pretty, you know, laid back, good time. And in this last week alone, I've had to throw eight, nine people out of the room for just, you know, uh, it, it just seems like all of a sudden things were flaring up. And again, it could just completely be a coincidence, full moons or whatever is out there. But, 
you know, as soon as this happened, uh, people were a lot testier on the poker side, on the slot side, and um, I don't know. You know, it's like Joe says, I, I, I'm as frustrated and dumbfounded as anybody else uh, when I hear people, Dave, in our age group, because Joe's a lot younger than us, um, have arguments for this vaccination and not trying to get to, you know our economy, our lives back in order. And um, I don't know about you guys doing the math, but you know I was told that we're about fifty percent vaccination around the country. Yes, uh, full vaccination, fifty you know, percent. One hundred and sixty million people, give or take, right? And they're telling me, oh no, because some people are still dying from vaccination. I always tell them, you know, oh, assume ten thousand people who are vaccinated get this and and you know have serious consequences because of it i go you know when you when you put that number up against 160 million you know you you're you're looking at less than one percent and you know the mentality as you mentioned joe they think there's metal in it there's this uh, i don't know i just can't wrap my head around the, those conspiracy theorists and and everything else so from my standpoint, Dave, in my our casino, I don't know about Dania, but in my casino, uh, most of the people are, are doing the right thing there. We do have some people who, you know, headstrong and don't give a damn. Um, but it's it's very few. But those people, honestly, excuse yeah. me, I you know, sorry to jump in. I'm very passionate about this, obviously. It's that those people... You know, when you are managing a large group of people, there are always going to be a couple of people that are those people, the headstrong, the ones that got their own thing. You don't have to go very far. Just watch a movie, every movie about every bad thing that happens. There's always the couple of characters in the movie that are like, no, this is nothing really. Come on. It, it's it's part of human uh, society. Like we know that it exists. We tried to accommodate those people this whole time. Like, the whole reason we're where we are is because we've been accommodating those people the entire time. Like, come on, guys, you know, listen, you know, no, no mandates, no this, no that. We're not going to force you. The mask, um, what was it, the honor system, that was the biggest mistake of all the mistakes that we've had prior to allowing the the, the deal uh, to, to happen. Because people like that have no honor. I'm unvaccinated, so I'm going to wear a mask. They didn't wear their masks. As soon as they said that the vaccinated people could take off their masks, everybody took off their masks. And those people lied. They they flat out lied. They walked around without their masks. See, I got no mask. And they spread it around. And that's the untold story is that those people are directly related. But you don't know who they are. We'll never be able to find them. We'll never be able to blame them. We'll never be able to hold them responsible in any way. But we have to change our tact now. That's all. Okay. Yeah, and and, and those are the those are the same people, Joe. That uh, you know will scream and yell because they can't. Uh, they can only put thirteen thousand in a football stadium, uh, so they want to return to normal. But their behavior keeps that from happening. It, well, and that's why it's like a vicious circle here. We are we are allowing this one group of people, whatever you want to call them, like, the, you know, call them skeptics or call them scared. But if you allow them to explain their logic, their logic will state, we we don't believe it's that big a deal. We don't think there should be any restrictions, any limitations, any masks. 
They want to just go full bore, full economy, full stuff without any kind of restrictions. But then they are unwilling to accept that mathematical number that you just said. It's like, well, 90, you're going to blow up the system. If we let you guys run the world, how many millions more people would just be dead? What's up with that? And they will never answer that because they don't have the responsibility of being in control. And that's the difference. You know, in our modern social media culture, everybody has the ability to broadcast their opinion. But not everybody's opinion is really worth being broadcast. And they have no responsibility. They can say anything, even if they don't really even believe it or know what they excuse me, believe. Uh, and that's our problem. The information, the disinformation, the flat-out lies, the lies for entertainment, the confusion. That responsibility lies with the same group of people and we've been taking it seriously. We've been giving them their due. Well, that's their opinion. And I think it's time to stop. Uh, the New York City is just mandated masks everywhere, uh, or vaccinations, indoors, everywhere. And the details are just coming out, so I don't have them all. Uh, when people hear this, that'll be easily available to find out. I think it's time for a heavier hand. I didn't want that, but I think that's the only way we're going to get out of this. Yeah, well, I Joe, think you might be right. Let me tell you something. I think that's what those people are afraid of, that a heavy hand is going to come out for that. I mean, like you said, New York is now mandating that, while our governor here in Florida is just the opposite, telling county officials and city officials that they can't mandate this like this. Uh, finding industries down here, uh, the, the cruise industry, would love to return and have passengers on there as long as they prove they've been vaccinated. And he's looking at a $5,000 fine. And like I said, that that line in the sand has been drawn, and unfortunately it's, it's along uh, political lines. Well, it is, but is that, excuse me, Dave, I'm sorry, is, it, is, it, uh, is that politically smart right now? Like four weeks ago... Uh, our governor, Ron DeSantis, was, I would call him in the lead or tied for the lead for the 2024 nomination. And yeah. this can't be good for his chances. I'm sorry. Like what's happening is Florida to be flaring, glowing red on the map. That can't be good for the independent middle when it comes to 2024 like people are going to remember this this was not this is not good for him politically k ivy alabama governor saying all you need to know they're all coming out the smart people who were maybe playing politics they were maybe like we don't want to go against this group of people they're now going against this group of people because of all that evidence like eric cole like it's it's not just anecdotal people know people celebrities they're all it's all flaring up again and it never had to do it. It didn't have to. This is all because of choices that were made. Okay, well, let's let's move on a little bit because obviously uh, while we try very hard, we're not going to solve all the world's problems here on this program. So let's move back to problems in the poker world right now. And I want to bring Joe Rodriguez back in to talk a little bit about uh, poker dealers and what's happening in the world of poker right now. There's a serious... Uh, dearth of poker uh, dealers as business picks up we obviously just don't have enough people available uh, when you force them to work extra hours those are the situations where they're uh, you know vulnerable to picking up some kind of uh, you know COVID disease or whatever 
uh, also, you know, people get burnt out. So while they're making very good money and it's a great business, talk a little bit, Joe, about how you uh, try to bring people in. I mean, you got people that are uh, probably getting offers all over town and uh, some people come in, take a job and then maybe spend two, three days there and then they're gone. So talk about your, your uh, trials and tribulations of getting your staff uh, in place. Well, you know, I have had, I've, I have lost some dealers to uh, other rooms in town. Uh, first time something like this has happened on purpose. You know, we've kind of been an un, un, unwritten and an unsaid rule that, hey, you didn't, you didn't try to poach other dealers from other places. If they were unhappy with the way they were being treated, their schedule, uh, etc., you know, they they would be the ones reaching out to you. You know, um, I, I don't want to use any names here, but I know that they've reached out to some of my dealers. And uh, for a room like ours, which is short-staffed, um, I am losing. I'm losing one dealer. Her last day is tomorrow. Uh, she will be moving to Texas to deal over there. Um, had another one who left who's dealing at the Big Easy. Uh, another one that uh, unfortunately blew herself out of out of working for me, uh, you know, and working in that casino. So I'm seeing three dealers, three break-in dealers tomorrow to hire. And I believe the Big Easy is also going to start training, you know, uh, have training classes for for people who want to become dealers. Yeah, That's I meant Dave, Dave Litvin mentioned that on the show a couple of weeks ago that he wanted to put together this school, and that will be beneficial for everybody, but of course gives him the top pick of the best students. But, uh, you know, it's it's to see that even happen at this point is kind of strange because over the years, we've had, uh, you know, friends that, uh, you know, and you even trained some people yourself, uh, uh, you know, over at uh, the studio. And people came in and you taught some people. Uh, Stacy Madison had obviously the school and they were connected with the WSOP and the grinder. And and basically when the pandemic came, they're just, you know, that business model is just not sustainable. So things disappeared and now we're things are running full circle and we're starting to realize that you know we got to make an effort to train new people so uh, talking about that a little bit how hard is it to teach people from scratch i mean people can deal cards and uh, people can learn the game and the rules and that sort of thing but some people pick it up quicker than others talk about that a little bit well my experience has always been and i'm even talking personally with myself uh, those that know the game and play it and love it um, usually are the ones that pick it up much quicker because as as you know as a brush now, Dave, and you're getting a chance to watch some of the dealers that work with you over there, um, there's the mechanics of the game, there's the knowledge of the game and the running of the game as far as you know as far as I'm concerned as a teacher. Uh, that's what I look for in, in dealers, okay? So the less time you have to spend on the knowledge of the game, because when someone is paying you to teach them, well, you know, you have a clean slate. They may not know a damn thing about poker, which doesn't mean you can't turn them into a great dealer, 
but there's a lot more work that has to be done there. Right. And um, most teachers, like I was taught, you start with the mechanics, uh, learning how to shuffle the cards properly, how to pitch them properly, <laughs> how to how to uh, cut the checks. And you know, for those out there who don't know what checks are, those are the chips. Um, and doing and doing it in a very efficient manner where you're not constantly dropping the chips and everything else. Um, I used to always tell, and I've actually told somebody that this week at work who's trying to go from brushed into becoming a dealer, and I would tell her, listen, I always knew the students that I was teaching whether they were practicing at home. And, um, you know, the... The mechanics is the hardest part as far as, you know, speed is concerned. And then knowledge of the game. And if you have poker knowledge, if you've been a player, uh, that part of the the lesson, that part of the teaching is very quick and easy for you. You will find out that, you know, once you've mastered the mechanics of it, the rest of it kind of comes very easy. Um, if you're in a room that's doing pot limit Omaha, Dave, you better have, you better be good with numbers or you better right, learn right. the tricks. You better learn the tricks that we show you, uh, when someone is potting a large pot and they go, how much is in the pot? Um, because that's, that's the hardest math you're going to have to do. And the rest is basically taking control of the table. Um, my teaching, uh, style was, I would give you examples of stuff that either I witnessed, you know, that I personally had to handle with as a dealer or stuff that I saw other dealers had to handle while I was their manager or supervisor. And, you know, I would relay this to the students uh, going forward as to, look, this situation occurred. I wasn't taught that way. Uh, So when these situations occurred for me, um, I had to, you know, had to handle it on the fly, so to speak. And I, I always believed. I said, you know, if I had, if I had, someone had told me this could happen, obviously I would have been better prepared, and it would have gone a lot smoother. So I incorporated teaching that into into the students that that I was training. Well, here's an interesting question for you. Uh, you know, you think back to Billy Crystal's character uh, Fernando uh, on Saturday Night Live, and he said. Much better to look good than to feel good, and uh, That's you know, not so true anymore. But uh, as far as looking good, how important is that as a dealer works to improve? I mean, obviously, the players are going to be much more trustful if you're smooth dealing the cards, if you're cutting the chips, and uh, you, you really look like you you know what you're doing, you've done it before. Uh, how important is that for them to work on as opposed to getting the numbers right and the rules right? Well, let me ask you something. The perception perception is more than 50% of the battle. Uh, you know, you and I are both big guys, okay? We've gone out to restaurants and stuff. I got a lot of big guys and big women that have dealt for me over the years. And don't quite fit well into their uniform as some of the other people do. And, you know, for whatever reason, shirts are untucked and everything else. And this has absolutely nothing to do with their abilities to deal. But as a player, as a customer somewhere else, if you were to see an employee approach your table looking like that, 
what's your immediate impression? Yeah. You know, and uh, as opposed to a dealer that, I don't care if they're big or not, but they come shirt tucked in properly, mm-hmm. you know, they, they look professional. If the players perceive you to be a very good dealer, you don't catch a lot of crap there. Yeah. And you get a lot of leeway when you do happen to make a slight mistake uh, because it happens to everybody. It doesn't matter, you know, whether you're a break-in dealer or not. You know, a card is going to flutter and turn over. Uh, you're going to muck a live hand. It's, you know, it's just the, the stuff that comes with being a dealer. Uh, top-notch dealers will not make this mistake or very rarely make this mistake after they've had at least a year of experience. But that it happens on certain days, uh, yeah, I've seen the best of dealers, you know, make a mistake. The big difference is they make it once and won't make it again for another couple of years, if ever, while the break-ins will will continue to make those mistakes until they turn themselves into truly professional dealers. Yeah. Well, let's look at the larger picture, and that is the upcoming World Series of Poker. Uh, We've heard the rumblings that uh, lack of dealers going out there could be a problem. We've had the discussions uh, on past shows on whether it's still, uh, you know, a great place for dealers to go for seven weeks. Uh, You know, what's going to happen this year, in your opinion? Uh, Can the schedule be severely disrupted by the lack of, of dealers out there? Uh, that's a tremendous question, Dave. And I, I honestly believe, yeah, that that can be the case. We've done shows, you know, in the past where people have complained about how incompetent some of the dealers were. They literally they were just putting bodies in the boxes there, you know, in the in the dealer box to to fling the cards out. And the complaints were that these dealers were just horrific. Um, that being said. How bad are they going to be this year? Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, I, I have no idea because I, you know, there hasn't been any schools. You Mason, you mentioned Stacy earlier. You know, she was helping train break-ins to deal at the WSOP. You know, and that's you know, that's a loaded question, Dave. I I I, I believe it's going to have a big effect. Well, obviously, uh, obviously, I, they're looking at that very closely right now. That's got to be the number one concern on their mind. Yeah, you know, I mean, granted, we're a little less than two months away from this starting now because I believe it starts on September 30th, right? And, um, you know, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, you know, uh, this Delta variants and people not being vaccinated, uh, if this trends the way it's been trending and it gets really bad by the end of August – you can't help but assume that not only dealers, but poker players that were thinking of, you know, spending whatever amount of weeks they were, they had in the past, are going to say, you know what, I'm going to wait another year and see if this, if this thing gets better. Right. And, um, will that lead to any cancellations to fields being a lot smaller? I mean, we discussed something like this a few weeks ago and, I thought the numbers would be just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Joe mentioned uh, that he's going to be in Vegas next week. Um, maybe when Joe gets back and we get a chance to talk, we'll find out, um, you know, if is it affecting Vegas again? Because once the mask mandates went down, 
you know, it was almost business as usual in Vegas. Um, and now, you know, I honestly don't know how scared people are really going to be or if it's just, you know, the hell with it. I'll take my chair. I'll flip the coin. If it, if it comes up heads for me to die, I die. And if it's tails, you know, I keep on living. Uh, you know, seems to be the mentality that that we're dealing with. So, right. Well, let's close this section out by saying, uh, you know, what do you do when someone comes into your room? Obviously, people show a resume when they apply for a job, and that can be very impressive if they've been some good places, and probably will immediately uh, see your eyes light up if it's a good one. But, uh, you know, you will get some beginners out there. What do you tell people when they first come in about what you expect from them and how much can you tell from the very first audition? Um, for me, for all the years I've been in this, I could tell a whole lot from the first audition. Yeah. I could tell who's been nervous, who knows what they're doing. Um, if they're, you know, if they were trained properly, you know, and, um, this would be a very good question for me to have on Thursday after tomorrow's audition with three break-ins. Um, the mentality in the industry has changed. You know, when, when you opened up a room, you wanted to have experienced dealers and as little break-ins as possible. Why? Because break-ins are slower, tend to make more mistakes. So the slower part, and by making more mistakes, it's kind of, you know, a catch-22 situation there where, where one goes with the other. So the house makes less money. Right. If you look going now that, you know, that we really need dealers here in South Florida and across the country in most rooms, I prefer now break-ins, as do many of my, uh, you know, contemporaries, uh, managers, uh, because now we don't can have to mold that person. Yeah, you don't have to change bad habits. Exactly. And, and you know, this time around as a manager... You know, I hate to say this, but the dealers that are giving me the most amount of problems are the experienced ones. Yeah. You know, and um, it has gotten to a point where I've had just about enough of it, you know, and I'm looking forward to just getting break-in dealers. Uh, They don't come in with any bad habits, you know, any preconceived notions as to how things should be already jaded because of how they were treated at another, at another room. And, uh, I don't treat people with disrespect as I was treated many times with an indifference and stuff like that. You know, I, I want them to feel comfortable. I always believe that as a break in dealer, if the management made you feel comfortable and wanted and was looking to help you when you made mistakes, that, you make less mistakes and you get better much quicker. So I believe that's a big trend going forward. Maybe, uh, David, I missed that show with him. Uh, we'll tell you the same thing. Um, and it's funny how you mentioned, oh, he's going to pick the best dealers for himself. He's going to train enough people to staff his room. And I don't think they're going to continue to teach after that. Yeah. You know, that's probably true. And simple. Probably true. Uh, one final question about that. If someone comes in and has a bad audition, do you immediately write them off and just say, listen, this is not for you? 
or do you give them a second chance? And I'm sure the answer to that has changed because of the current situation. But how much leeway do you give them to uh, get a second chance to maybe show that maybe that was just a bad day for them? Dave, it's like anything else in life. If um, if they acted like, you know, two professionals, I've had people go in there, they, they had a horrendous audition. Um, I don't know about you and Joe, if you guys were good test takers uh, in school as you were growing up. Of course, um, great, great test taker. Yeah, so was I for the most part, okay? <laughs> While other students that I knew that were out, you know, you knew how smart they were and for some reason would get nervous. Um, same thing happens in this, in, in this profession, Dave. Um, as a matter of fact, I'll give you a great story. I have a gentleman working for me now who came to do an audition as a dealer. Um, I could tell he was nervous, but he was so professional. And as I would find out later, he was a, a district manager for the Wendy's corporation, uh, which made a lot of sense after all the things, but he was so professional and didn't take it, you know, personally that as he was walking away, I got up and I asked and I stopped him and I said, let me ask you something. We were doing dominoes back then. If you remember Dave. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, uh, you know anything about dominoes and uh, being a kid with this said, he looked at me and he goes, uh, yeah, of course, you know, this and the other, I go, listen, you think you would take this job and I'll, I'll give you one day to deal, you know, one day on the floor. And if you keep improving, you'll, you'll go into dealing. He was, you know, the professional that I know him to be since then. He said, sure. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, in three months he was, he had a full-time dealing schedule. Mm, yeah. Okay. And, um, and to this day, he, he also worked at Dania with me and um, was dealing at King's Court down in Homestead. And when they closed their rooms, we brought them over to us, yeah. you know. So I've had those people, Dave. I've had people that I really wanted them to do well because, you know, they, they were just so nice, so pleasant, uh, which is a, a characteristic that I really love in dealers, you know. And I would tell him, look, do this for me. Um, and here's the other thing that I would do. Sometimes I know people would get so nervous because they know I'm the manager of the room, I'm going to be hiring them, that I purposely wouldn't be there for their audition. I'd have someone that I trusted, you know, their opinion, and I knew that they were good at, and tell them, look, you know, this guy's so much easier than I am, would true or not. It was just, you know... And all of a sudden they'd come back, oh, yeah, they were smooth, you know, that, that. it's so funny. They, they just want that job. And once they get in there, um, I don't know about all the other poker room managers because I know I've had some jerks. Um, I gave them a lot of leeway to learn their craft, you know, okay. to make the mistakes without making it feel like, like they're complete idiots. Um, and then to learn from it. So, the character of the person kind of answers that question, whether we, you know, give them a lot more chances. And yeah. I don't know how to explain it, Dave, but I'm sure, you know, you and I are the same age. You look at somebody and you can tell whether this person's worth continuing a certain conversation with about things or right. not. 
you know. As in anything, that's for sure. Uh, Let's take a break here in the program. Uh, When we come back, there's one other problem in poker that probably people haven't thought much about, but seems to be rearing its ugly head here in some uh, big high-level, high-stakes, head-to-head play. And I want to talk about that real briefly and Joe's outlook on that when we come back. Uh, Also, let you know about an upcoming tournament at the uh, Seminole Coconut Creek, uh, which uh, will bring them a little national recognition. And uh, a couple other things will fit in on the show here. Uh, Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez coming to you here on Poker Action Line. And we will return after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, The prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. From the vantage point, Mafatu saw six war canoes drawn upon the beach, but what held the boy's eyes in awful trance were the figures springing and leaping about the flames, darting, shifting, bounding toward the sky, the eaters of men. Cannibals. Firelight glistened on the royal bodies, on flashing spears and bristling decorations. Mafatu watched the strange scene, powerless to move, and he felt doom itself breathing chill upon his neck. In that very instant, he heard a crashing in the undergrowth. Four figures were tearing toward him through the jungle. He could see them now. He turned and ran blindly down the trail, slipping, sliding, stumbling, his breath all but choking in his throat. Only one thought gave him courage as he ran, his canoe ready and waiting. If only he could reach it before the savages overtook him. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Call It Courage by Armstrong Sperry. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Poker Action Line. Big Dave and Joe and other Joe uh, sitting with us in today uh, as we uh, bring up another program here. Uh, I did want to mention this tournament over at the Seminole Coconut Creek. Uh, right now, the uh, 
seminal hard rock coming uh, through their tournament uh, that really has given them a lot of uh, recognition nationally. As we always know, that uh, seems to be the case. But uh, I tell you what, uh, you know, there are other good seminal properties that are really starting to uh, break through. And one is the... Uh, uh, the Tampa uh, location, which has uh, had some national exposure. And now we will take a look at uh, the Seminole Coconut Creek, who is uh, putting together a tournament uh, beginning August the 23rd, and it runs through the 29th. Uh, several events, including um, their main event, which is uh, going to be uh, 50000 guarantee with a $600 buy-in. So certainly not on the level of a uh, Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open, but uh, certainly will be big for them, and we'll see how they do. I did have a chance to play in that room the other day, and uh, I thought it was very well run. And, uh, you know, they are, of course, uh, struggling with spots for opening new games and that sort of thing, as everybody is. But uh, I thought it was uh, well run, and the dealers were good, and I enjoyed myself there. Uh, but that is located uh, off Sample and 441 here in South Florida in the Coconut Creek area. And they will be hosting this uh, Run Good Poker Series, uh, which is uh, a smaller level national tour. And they will have what they're calling the Run Good Poker Series All-Stars Comeback Tour and making its East Coast debut at coconut creek in florida on uh, august the 23rd so we'll keep an eye on that try to let you know what's going on but uh you know buy-ins include uh uh some satellites in the 80 dollar range some smaller tournaments 130 but most of them 250 to uh, the big ones at 600 so uh we'll keep an eye on that and let you know what's happening there uh also now this other problem of poker that i mentioned uh is with tanking and uh joe remember back a couple of years ago when the world series of poker tv shows kind of spurred that on that uh, they watched uh big name players take a lot of time making decisions and players who had no no right to do that would do it on simple decisions and and basically just irritate everyone around the table and it looked like it was going to be a disaster for poker at the time uh, my friend Dave Litvin over at Matt, uh, Big Easy uh, in, actually installed a, a policy called Fast Play Tables where he allowed his dealers to force the action a little quicker on players. And people who signed up for those tables knew that's what they were getting into. So uh, I, I think that that's not a big problem in the regular game. However, uh, it just came out that a big high-stakes poker match between Brandon Adams and Phil Galfond had to switch their 100, 200 PLO matches from live to online because Adams was unhappy with the, the tack that uh, Galfond was taking, and that is pushing the rules to the very extent. Uh, they actually had rules that allowed for 15 seconds uh, for a decision for preflop and 30 seconds uh, after the flop and onto the river. Uh, and Galfon started using like every second of that, whether he needed to or not. And there was a lot of anger involved. And I hadn't seen that problem in just about anything 
what's your thoughts on tanking and what you've seen these days compared compared to the problem that it presented a couple of years ago? Well, <laughs> my opinion first, uh, it pisses me off to no end. I mean, it really, really pisses me off to no end. These idiots that take forever um, in a game, in a situation that should take less than 10 seconds for you to make up your mind. When you get people, you know, like the gentleman you just mentioned, I was getting pretty upset. The people who usually do that, uh, you know, that's their goal is to upset the people at the table to force them to not play at, you know, at top, at top level. Uh, you know, when your emotions have, when that emotional bell has been rung, you know, uh, reason kind of goes out the door with a lot of players. And, uh, you know, in the past it was done where we would talk about right on TV so they could get TV exposure. Um, there's only a few rare instances, in my opinion, that, that warrant you taking a, a long time, whether the dollar amount is so high uh, in a live game, you know, that you need the time to kind of, you know, uh, review everything that's happened, or if your tournament life is on at, on the line. Other than that, you should not be taken in 98, 99 out of 100 hands all that time. So it's done intentionally, in my opinion, by almost everyone who does it, just to get a rise out of the people at the table, put them on tilt, and you know have them playing a, a completely different game that they want to. All right. Well, in this case, uh, I guess it was used as some sort of strategy play, not necessarily to get under the skin of the other play player, but to um, had some sort of impact on the number of hands that it was slated for this match and, and when they would be able to play and get it done. So, uh, you know, manipulating the number of hands played in a session, uh, I guess, one of the players, uh, Galfon, felt like uh, it was in his best interest to stall. Uh, the 15 seconds, I mean, there was times where he had 30 seconds to make a play, and not not only did he sit there thinking, but he would stand up and stretch, you know. So that's almost like rubbing in salt in the wound. So so as far as, uh, you know, the strategy involved in, in tanking, outside of getting under people's skin, as you mentioned, what is the benefit of taking the ultimate amount of time? Obviously, if you have, you know, trouble contemplating uh, what your hand is, uh, that that could be a problem. But these are uh, veteran players that, that don't have that problem. No, I mean, listen, again, for me, if you're a veteran player, you know your opponent, you've been doing this for a long time, you, you've got to read on them. So it shouldn't take you that long to figure out, hey, have I seen him do this before? I've seen him bet this structure before. You know, whatever it is, for me, like I said, I can only justify taking a very long time to make a call uh, on, a, on a play um, based on the two situations that I just mentioned. I, I, I don't get it, Dave. You know, it's, uh, I've been able to make decisions really quick and I can probably count on one hand the times that I've taken a very long time to make a decision, um, you know, based on that, trying to read my opponent, you know, did he pick up something on me that 
that he's trying to use. And it shouldn't take you, you know, as long. And when you're doing it on every single hand, there's only one reason for that. That's to annoy the, the shit out of, the, out yeah. of your opponent. Out of your opponent that you're... They, not only them, but everybody else who's sitting at the table. You know, even when you go online, um, you know, the tanking, again, uh, when you get near the bubble of a tournament, that's annoying as hell. Because people are slowing down, the shorter stacks are slowing down on their calls. They're taking every every second that they're given, uh, hoping that someone else busts out and they make the money. Yeah, and you know, that's the only other reason that that I see for stalling. Yeah, you know, and online you saw that a lot. Um, it's been a while since I've been in a tournament and been near the bubble to see what they do, but. Um, even in the tournaments that I've been running, I go hand for hand, and it's a lot smaller, so there is no, there is no uh, advantage to you taking this long. But in multi-table tournaments, you know, that there are still 15, 20 tables of players alive, you can't do that. So yeah. they they're use all that time they can. Well, certainly something to keep an eye on because you can't let that kind of situation get out of control because some of these players, uh, Phil Galfond is respected by poker players all over the country and they see him doing it and they think it's okay, then that's going to that's gonna destroy the whole fabric of the game in local rooms everywhere. Well, let me tell you, Dave, you know how you turn the tables on these people? Um, call time on them. Yeah. And I, you and I had a little conversation a few days ago that I told you I was, I actually watched two and a half hours of, uh, of a TV show on Fox Sports uh, 1 concerning a tournament from 2017. And one of the situations that occurred between two of the top players with chips was that one of them called time on the other. And if I saw a player constantly doing that in live action... I would just, okay, you want to delay? I'm going to keep calling time on you. And, you know, you make the house, make a decision. Hey, you know, you can't be taking this much time on, on every single decision. So that, that's one little tactic that I would use as a player. Yeah. Oh, you want to delay it? Time. I'll call the supervisor. Time. You keep calling the supervisor over to the table. Sooner or later, that person's going to get very upset. Yeah, for sure. And just tell the players, listen. You act now or whatever, and and then you go forward from there. Right. Okay, well, let's close out the show with some news. Actually, we don't have a whole lot of news, to be honest, but uh, people have been waiting with bated breath here for the outcome of the final decision for the uh, uh, the Seminole Compact and whether that's going to allow sports betting here in South Florida. People are waiting to hear what's going to happen with that, but we haven't heard much, uh, mainly because the uh, Department of Interior has not made their ruling and I know, Joe, you keep an eye on that uh, big time because you have William Hill in your building and they are looking very closely at it. Uh, what do you hear about uh, the non-decision so far of the Department of the Interior? Uh, absolutely nothing, Dave. I mean, it's a uh, surprise, to be honest with you. I didn't think it would take this long. Um, but then again, I don't know all the, all the ins and outs of, of the compact and, you know, why the Department of Interior has taken so long to make this decision. Um, it has kept a lot of people, a lot of the uh, casinos up in the air because 
Um, if if the pact is approved, you know that that will decouple uh, the paramutual side. Right. Uh, and most most of the casinos here in Broward and Dade um, will not, you know, will have the opportunity to open twenty four seven for one, you know, and um, get out of whatever you know whatever agreements for for those paramutuals that don't have a CBA with uh, the uh, horse owners or the uh, highlight players. Um, it could end it immediately, you know, and, um, a sport that both you and I love very much, Highlight, uh, could be very well on, it, it, it's already on its last leg, unfortunately, and, uh, that leg could be getting ready to get chopped off. Right. You know, and, um, that's number one. Number two, as you mentioned, is the sports betting. And, um, uh, if it's if it's approved, then the court battles. You know, I, I've been told that certain people have already filed lawsuits, pending an agreement on that. So that'll be fun, but no one seems to know because you know, yeah. like you mentioned at the beginning of the show, we thought this was a foregone conclusion that they would approve it. Well, despite and, the fact that we haven't really heard anything, doesn't mean there's nothing happening. There's just massive. Exactly. Massive amounts of money being spent out there. Read an interesting article in on the in the Tampa Bay Times about it. Uh, they talked about uh, some of the people putting the biggest money out right now include well, obviously the Seminoles. They put out a ten million dollars to a political committee called Voters in Control to try to influence any Im issues that might come up on the ballot in 2022, which we have heard talked about. But also the Las Vegas Sands is involved because they want to get into Florida. Uh, and then two of the uh, uh, Daily Fantasy League uh, companies, FanDuel and DraftKings, those between the Sands, DraftKings, and FanDuel, they put up $37 million to try to influence the future of what's going to happen here in South Florida. Uh, also, Magic City has filed a lawsuit, as we, they mentioned. They created a committee called uh, People Against Regulatory Leg Legislation, addressing you with the cool, uh abbreviation parlay uh they put up 15 million so all this money is a sudden dump of money in political contributions trying to get things solved however we haven't really heard much so uh we're waiting to see what's going to happen but uh for las vegas sands obviously the seminoles are going to want to fight that tooth and nail they don't want to battle a company like that here in town and we'll have to see what's going to happen well i don't think they'll, they'll have to you know, I think the the laws that are on the books right now will, uh, you know, do you think that the state of Florida will, will give you 60% plus one vote uh, to mm. expand casino gambling in the state? Yeah, no. Because I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're going to get close to that number. And so I don't. I don't know the specifics of the lawsuit, but um, uh, that's a hurdle that you got to get over from what I understand. I, I just want, can I jump, jump in here real quick, Dave? Sure, absolutely. I'm kind of surprised. I think that we would. 60.1 or 60 plus one vote. I, I don't know. I think we would. Yeah. Yes. I, I, Joe, there's been three or four votes since the 1980, which is when Different. I was preparing to come down here to become a dealer. And we haven't even come, even the machines that we have in Broward and Dade 
was a 50% plus one. And we only carried it by a couple of hundred votes. And, and when that was, was on that? The, on the write-in ballot. Look at what has happened with marijuana. Look at what has happened with so many other things like that. I think that you'd be surprised, guys. I hope you're right. To be honest with you, I've been listening. Yeah. Open it up to competition, and that only helps, you know, the, the, the players and the people, and more jobs are produced, and, you know, will definitely help the economy, in my opinion. I know that the people who are anti-gambling always say it creates this. You know, from a gambler's standpoint, if you're going to be a, a you know a compulsive and, and degenerate gambler, you don't, you don't, it doesn't matter whether you have it down the block or you have to get on your phone or you have to get on a plane. You know, that's been my experience in my lifetime. So Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, again, another situation that we're keeping an eye on closely. We haven't heard much because uh, people are not talking to the media at this point. But again, we'll hear plenty about it pretty soon because this is just a multi-million dollar business that's, uh, you know, trying to determine the, the legal ramifications of anything that the voters might do. So uh, we certainly will keep an eye on that and let you know what we hear. As uh, stuff moves forward, of course, the Seminoles want to uh, have football betting on the NFL uh, by mid-October. So they're moving toward that, and we'll see what happens over the course of the next uh, couple of weeks here. Uh, That's going to do it for the show. Thanks, guys, for uh, all your contributions. Uh, Do appreciate it. Uh, Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open will have – next week we'll have the final results of their Big Four – and uh, we've seen, Joe, you've looked at some of the, uh, the names of the winners thus far and realized that you don't know many of them. Uh, a lot of new players breaking out and winning tournaments. We don't see a lot of the huge names here. And, of course, there's other things for them to do, heads-up matches and online stuff and all that. But uh, I'm waiting to see if uh, the Big Four attracts the kind of uh, quality of uh, big-name player that has in the past. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, that's like you said, don't know too many of those players, but let's see what happens in the future. Okay. Uh, that's going to do it for the show. We'll see you next week. Uh, we would love to have you uh, subscribe to the show on Spotify or on uh, SoundCloud. Give us a rating on the show. Uh, send us an email, lemondave at yahoo.com. Be happy to hear from you and see what we can uh, uh, fulfill some of your wishes as far as guests and uh, topics here on the program. That's something I always try to do. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people don't take the time to sit down and write an email, but if you do, I will read it and I will respond. So uh, uh, please do that. Uh, we'll be back with another show next week. Poker Action Line continues to roll on because the world of poker continues to roll on uh, no matter what's happening health-wise in this country. Uh, again, people get smart out there and do the right thing. Uh, sometimes it's not enough to keep you completely safe, but it will be in your benefit over the long term if you do. Uh, thanks for being with us. We'll catch you on another edition here next week of Poker Action Line. <laughs>